funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. gentlemen welcome to the silver screen video this is take three for our introduction uh, with your host jonathan and jacob my co-host jacob uh jacob how's it going how you doing hanging in there <laughs> well i'm doing good because during our first uh uh <laughs> during our first attempt at recording this introduction you had a meltdown because i mentioned the weather and during the second I had a meltdown because you said I had recency bias. So I'm eager to see what take three is going to bring. Who knows? It's always, um, you know, always a mystery. Thanks for airing our dirty laundry. Anyway, hey, you didn't you didn't talk about the weather, so I'll take it as a win. Anyway, cold outside. uh, (laughs) Guys, this is. This is uh, an episode that I'm excited about. I think Jacob is excited about it as well. I love list. Um, you know, my brain is very simple. I love movie list of any kind. You guys know that from listening to us, especially longtime listeners. So clearly making a 2023 top 10, it's, it's so much fun for us. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited to talk about it, man. We did, you know, because of your idea, we did a uh, four year in reviews. So if you haven't listened to those, check them out. Uh, but we we kind of got to have a larger conversation about some movies that are going to end up on our list uh, to where we wouldn't have to make this episode be like, I don't know, four hours long, because I feel like I could talk forever about some of this shit. But anyway, I'm excited, man. Are you excited? You feel good about your list? You feel good about 2023? Yeah, I'm good, man. I, uh, you know, I, I got a I got a weird feeling that 2023 may be the last um I don't want to even say good movie year, but it may be the last, it might be the last year for movies, period. You know, like we might have, like, you know how, uh, you know, when somebody's dying, it's like they have the last gasp of energy, you know, and then they finally go. I think that might be what last year was uh, for movies. So, you know, I'm glad we, I'm glad we dedicated a lot of time to, you know, what could be the, the one final grasp of movies on, on our culture, you know? Yeah, you know, I don't know what makes you think that. The fact that there's 37,000 sequels coming out in 2024, um, you know, that maybe that that has something to do with the fact that this might be it. I don't know, <laughs> but yeah. Well, the problems uh, are, you know, the problems are internal. The problems are external. Okay, so what we're going to do, same thing we've done every year. If a movie is on your list or my list that is higher up on one of our lists, we will hold off to, to, to discuss it. Since we have discussed most of these movies... I will be referencing the episode uh, to each of them in case you want to go back and listen to that episode if you missed it, um, because our conversations for these movies won't be as long as they typically are because of that. So do you want to start us off with your number 10? Yeah, sure. So my number 10 is um, my number 10 is kind of uh, provisional, even though this is our final top 10 list. Um, I never I didn't get a chance to see Zone of Interest, but. I'm almost certain the zone of interest would have would have bumped this one off my top ten. Um, this is a movie that I liked, um, but didn't, you know, it wasn't one of the top movies of the year for me. But this is Passages. Um, I uh, this is a movie we talked about recently. Hey, you wouldn't happen to have what episode we talked about that, uh, would you? It's funny you should ask. We talked about it on episode two thirteen. That was last week. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't have a lot more to say about passages, you know, just, um, just kind of a simple, uh, you know, um, kind of old fashioned, like Euro art house movie with like a good cast and a really kind of simple premise. Um, a, a lot of, a lot of energy focused on the performances and, um, you know, centered around this, uh, basically psychopath main character who, destroys his and everyone around his life and everybody's life around him. Um, and, uh, yeah, high quality acting, high quality performances, um, kind of a really, um, well-written and well-directed and, um, yeah, I really liked it. I know you weren't, uh, as big on this movie as I was, but, uh, yeah, I admire the craftsmanship. I really like Ira Sachs and, um, yeah, that's my number 10 passages. Yeah. You know, just like, just like we talked about last week, I didn't necessarily dislike it. I just found it to be a bit mean spirited and it kind of left me feeling sad and empty. So, you know, I'm okay with a movie making me feel that way as we're going to find out on, uh, there's a couple on my top 10 that did that, but I, I prefer if you're going to leave me sad or, or feeling a certain way, you at least leave me thinking. Cause I, I do there uh, movies in my brain, like for my list are rewarded for making me think about them a lot. This movie didn't necessarily make me think a ton. It just more or less just made me sad. So I didn't dislike right. it, but it was a pretty bleak movie. Yeah, kind of. Uh, I, yeah, I think it, it holds fast to that description of just it's kind of almost like a classic Euro art house movie, kind of a downer um, and not much to it short, um, but I liked it. I really admired the craftsmanship and uh, yeah, so passages, folks, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. My number 10 is uh Anatomy of a Fall. We talked hmm. about this on episode 211. Uh, this movie, I mean, we already talked about it. this movie's fucking brilliant. It's fantastic. It, it stuck with me for days. It's half courtroom drama, half relationship drama, half just, I don't even know, a third of something. I don't even know. Like, Triette just did such a good job directing this movie. The performances were great. I'm so glad the Academy recognized it, even though fuck the Academy, but still you got to give them props when they do it. Um, it's great, man. I, I loved it. And I know you liked it too. And uh, I, I just, yeah, I just can't believe how good this fucking movie was. Yeah, I am. I will say this. I'm surprised um, that anatomy of a fall is this low on your list. It is on my list. It is much higher. Honestly, that is surprising to me, but uh, you know, each their own. Yeah, it was going to be higher, but then I started building the list and putting things in order. And I was like, you know, I just uh, uh, these other movies either did something else for me. I don't know. Anatomy of a Fall was so well directed. But the main reason it's on my list, because I'll tell you, it wasn't even poor things aside. Bottoms was in my number 10 slot because it's fucking hilarious and awesome. And I wanted to give it some love. But when it came down to it, I had to put a drama that made me think more than a comedy uh, like bottoms as much as I love bottoms. So, hmm. yeah, it's much higher on my list. I will, uh, I'll get to it when we get to it. Um, should I go with my cool. number nine? Hell yeah, let's do it. All right. Number nine is a movie that we also talked about recently, uh, showing up. Was that last week? It was uh, We talked about that last week. Episode two thirteen. Yeah. Number nine on my list is showing up An another very peculiar movie. Um, that I feel like didn't quite deserve to be up higher, but it just, you know, talk about movies that made you think. I mean, I, I still don't quite know what 
what to take away from this movie. You know, um, we talked about it uh, last week, but like, I, you know, I don't know if it was, um, you know, I don't know if it was um, uh, anti-art, <laughs> you know, I don't know if, I don't know what portions of the movie is uh, the, the director in the movie kind of making fun of what is being shown on screen um, or they're being wistful about it. I feel like that's, kind of i don't know this is a really really open-ended movie in a really really good way but i also i also think maybe that open-endedness kind of hurt it a little bit you know is michelle williams an asshole or is she a struggling artist dedicated to her work you know and the ending is just so ambiguous and i don't know this is a really hard movie to get your head around i feel like um and in in some ways that's why it's not higher um but i felt like i had to I had to put it on my list because it is such a unique, um, I don't know, you know, at the end of it, you're just wondering, like, what is the point of all this art making whenever, like, a bird can accidentally fly into a gallery and generate uh, uh, wonder and affection and this moment of beauty and suspense that human artwork could never come close to? You know, like, it's like, man, what is, what really is the point of making art at all? You know? And and I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that was even the movie's point. I'm just saying that is something that I thought about and kind of half took away from this movie. Yeah. I don't know. This is one of those things where it's like a Rorschach test. I feel like, um, probably the, the biggest movie on this list that is like a Rorschach test. And I really, I really admired it for that and thought it was really strong. Um, Obviously, I know you didn't feel you didn't feel the same way. You weren't as big of a fan on this movie, right? Yeah, you know, once again, didn't dislike it. I thought Michelle Williams was great. She normally is. But there was just something about this one that left me feeling a little empty as well. I agree with what you said, though. It's a it it, it possibly was left a little too open ended. Maybe I did maybe a little more closure, maybe a little more of something would have would have spoke to me a bit more. I don't mm. know. Um, but I mean, it certainly wasn't a bad movie. And, uh, I liked it. It's just one of those things where it's like, I just, I needed something else, you know, because mainly a lot of what happened in the movie just kind of pissed me off as we talked about last week. So, Mm -hmm. and I I can see that. And I think that's, it's like, it's weird thinking about a movie like this because it's like kind of a feature. It's like, I really like some of the open-endedness, but also I'm like, like if if this movie had been the less open-ended, I can see it being a lot better, but I can also see it being a lot worse. You know, like if that's if it true. Had... I mean, an, an added on scene or, or maybe 10 minutes longer to show us something could have actually ruined the entire message. So who who knows? You know, it's a slippery slope. Exactly. Right. So that's why I was kind of like, man, I don't I don't know. I, obviously, I liked it and thought it was really well done. But I was just like, how much do I like this movie? And it's I don't know. It just. Yeah. So that, that's showing up. I thought it was a really kind of complicated work of art. And if you are even remotely interested in, in art making or how art is made or the life of an artist or whatever, um, I, I heartily, uh, recommend it. It's, you will, you will get out of this movie, what you, you know, kind of bring into it. Um, so yeah, that's my number nine. My number nine, we did not discuss on the podcast and I don't think you have seen it. It is the iron claw. It is about the, uh, the true story of the Von Erich brothers uh, the wrestling family that uh, was around in the 80s, that basically their entire family was cursed. Uh, a lot of death, a lot of suicides, a lot of 
accidents. Um, it's a pretty brutal movie. Sean Durkin does a great job with it. Uh, you know, it's funny because I've seen it a couple of times and, you know, it sucks that it got shut out by the Academy and Zac Efron's performance was so good. I feel like this was the performance that, that we've kind of been waiting on from Zac Efron. Cause I do think he has some talent. Mm. Um, so it really sucks, but I'll tell you, I, I walked out of the movie the first time and I was like, so we, we've talked about this too. Uh, this was a while back, but. I revisited The Wrestler, and I don't know if you remember what I said, but I didn't think it Mm. held up because it was trying so hard to be sad. Right. So then you watch The Iron Claw, and this is a movie that is so tragic that they literally had to cut some characters out, that that people out of the movie that were in real life because it made the tragedy too redundant. That's Mm. how cursed this family was, right? So... Whenever you, whenever you watch it and you think about that, it's like, no, this is the real version of that. Not just because it's about wrestling, because this family existed and this shit really happened. And this movie didn't capture the whole story, but I don't think it's possible to capture the whole story uh, in two hours. I don't even know if it's possible to capture it at all. But everyone did a phenomenal job. I thought it was well-directed. I wish it had gotten something, some recognition from the Academy. But that does not devalue it in any way. It's fantastic, but it is a rough watch. It is, uh, it is not the most uplifting film. So, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to see this, and I, I definitely will watch it um, when it comes out. You know, I, I have a little bit of an allergy to wrestling stuff, and I don't know why. I liked wrestling when I was a kid, um, but there's something about. I'm sure it's just me being a I don't know snob or too cool for school or whatever. But like. As I've gotten older, I'm like, I know there's adults who are like into wrestling. There's wrestling podcasts, you know, but I'm just like, for some reason, I always keep it at like arm's distance where I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I get it. I mean, yeah, I I mean, I I understand that uh, I'm that way on some stuff, but wrestling is not one of them for me. I love I loved wrestling as a kid. I, I remember watching old footage of the Von Erichs wrestling, the big, the big, um, Ric Flair fight, which is in this movie as well. Um, Mm. but I definitely understand if it doesn't work. I mean, it's, it's definitely not just wrestling, but just the overall movie in general. It is a downer. It is a tough movie. It, it, you know, came out, um, I think in November or, or October, something like that. And it was not a holiday movie. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, the thing that really interests me about it, and the, one of the reasons why I was probably going to see it, even if it hadn't been on your top 10 list, and of course, now I'm definitely going to see it. The thing that interests me is the whole Efron thing, because I, I you know, I've always thought, and I think we've talked about it in here. I, I think Zach Efron is, is really talented. I just don't think people really know what to do with him. Um, and in some ways, I'm kind of happy that he's finally getting some recognition as an actor. But it's also kind of unsettling because it's like, the Zac Efron that the high school musical version of Zac Efron, the young song and dance man, you know, who seemed like he had all the ingredients to be a leading man, but just never got the opportunity. Like he's long gone. And now we kind of have this, I mean, I don't know, no shade to Efron, but this kind of roided up, you know, lock jawed looking. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and like, I, I'm kind of like, Oh no, like we're like Efron's finally getting his, you know, flowers or getting good roles. And he's, 
he looks like this, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying not to sound mean, but it's just, you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, he, no, I definitely know what you mean for sure. His, his physical appearance is, is frankly bizarre. It really is. And like, there's a, I know there's a scene because people were talking about it on Twitter and somebody showed the clip. There's a scene of them, of them dancing, you know, at a wedding, I think. Um, do you know this scene I'm talking about? Yeah, there's a couple of dance scenes, but yeah, there is one at the wedding. Okay. Yeah, it's like a dance scene and everybody is, you know, everybody's dancing and it's, it's, it's fine. But Zach Efron has a, even with his like roided up, like, you know, uh, stiffness, he has like a, a litheness to him and like a, just a natural ability for movement. I don't think he was a trained dancer. Um, like he wasn't one of those like Disney kids when he did high school musical, he was just a, he was just like a, a young kid. And, um, but he has like this natural, like ability to, to move. And I don't know it, like, I can't help but just like watching that scene and being like, man, I'm glad you're getting an interesting role, but man, what, if, uh, yeah, I wish it was just, I wish you hadn't just fucking ruined your body with steroids, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. It's, uh, Anyways, I, like I couldn't help watching that clip and be like, man, what could have been, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I still I still like Efron and I think hopefully he's got he'll get a chance to shine uh, on, on some more dramas because I thought he was great. Yeah, yeah, I, I hope so, too. Um, OK, my number eight. This is also a movie that we've talked about. So, you know, don't have a lot to say about it. Um, past lives. Uh, I don't know. What episode do we talk about that on? We talked about past lives on episode 210. Hmm. So past lives, not much else to say about it. Um, it was, uh, I thought it was a, a good movie. I did have some, I, I think it's not executed perfectly. I think there's some kind of strange choices narratively and, you know, whatever. That being said, I was, you know, th- this movie is, is on my top 10 list because it destroyed me. Like, <laughs> like this is, I did not expect, like, I was watching the movie and I was kind of almost like cynical about it. I was just like, oh, okay. She's making a movie about herself and about, you know, this two guys are in love with her. Oh, okay. You know, and, and and all this. And then then the end, the end is just handled so beautifully where it's, you know, it, it, it's not a will they, won't they? It's not a, what decision is she going to make between two different guys? Like that is not the emotional impact of the movie. The emotional impact of the movie is what could have been or what might have been, you know, and in life we have to foreclose off possibilities all the time for ourselves, you know, cause we can't do everything. We can't live, you know, we can't live multiple lives, you know, and we have to foreclose off certain options for ourselves. You know, I'm, I'm never going, you know, I'm never going to, um, you know, be an actor, even though like I liked acting in like high school and stuff, you know what I mean? That is a, that is something I never, I never went for, never, never tried to do in a professional capacity at all. That's just a life I completely foreclosed on myself. And we, we all, we all have to make those decisions, you know? And this movie to me was the, the, the really emotional, impactful thing was seeing this life in front of her that she could have had. It may not have been better, it may have been a worse life, right? Um, but it certainly seems like it could have had the potential to be better. And that uh, that unexplored, you know, other life that you just never are going to get a chance to try out even or even see what it would have been like. Um, 
that's devastating. It really is. When you really think about it and you're really kind of confronted with the, you know, the, the, the bodily version of, of the, of what could have been, you know, um, and it destroyed me emotionally. So like, I don't even have really anything critically interesting to say about this movie. I thought it was kind of sloppy in some ways and kind of uh, speeds through some stuff and, and really weirdly constructed, but like, I can't help what I felt at the end of the movie. I was destroyed. Like it was, I have not had an emotional reaction to a movie like this. Um, in a bit, honestly. And like, it was like almost uncontrollable. Um, so yeah, yeah. Past lives shout out. I know you didn't have the same reaction to this movie as I did. Um, wait, did you watch, you watch this movie, right? Yeah. You know, I watched it and, and, you know, like I said on episode two ten, you know, um, the movie just didn't work or, or work for me for that mm. ending to pay off. Right. Like, I think I agree. Some of it was kind of sloppy. I don't know why like more people like you can like the ending is so well written, but this mm. movie is kind of getting a pass for some of the things that don't work in the middle, in my opinion. I agree. Um, but it's still not a bad movie, man. It's good. It was so well acted. The ending was heartbreaking and it would have really, really hammered it home if there had been a little more building throughout the movie, but the time jumps got on my nerves. I'm never a big fan of huge time jumps like that. Mm. Um, so, but I, but I think the emotional core really works. It's just the bones that don't really do it. So, yeah, that's, that's a really good way to describe it. Um, yeah, and I think that that's why I was careful not to put this movie too up higher. Cause like, just cause a movie destroyed me doesn't mean it's the number one movie of the year. You know what I mean? Like it's, I had an intense emotional reaction to it, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, the perfect movie. Um, so that's why I kind of have it a little bit low, even though I'm like, you know, the movie killed me in the end. Um, but yeah, anyways, that's my number eight. What's yours? Well, it's interesting that your number eight is a movie like that. Cause my number eight is a movie like that. You know, you mentioned acting in, in high school and stuff and like how that's closed to you. My, my number eight is dreaming wild. Um, mm. You know, it's a movie we talked about in episode 210 as well. You didn't really care for it, which I totally understand. This is a flawed movie, and I am not going to say that it's not. Um, but it is a movie that really worked for me. Uh, I love, typically really love movies about musicians and music in general. But um, you, lo- you love your music movies. I always say this I do. about you. I do. And, you know, throw in the aspect of the brothers and throw in the aspect of, like, possible second chances and things like that. A lot of it worked really clicked for me thoroughly enjoyed it. It's a shame more people aren't really talking about it. Really? Like I I think there's a possibility. A lot of people don't even know this movie exists, you Mm, know? I didn't. Um, Yeah. So either way, I I totally enjoyed it. You know, it's, it's not super high on my list, but it, 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 it got enough of a reaction out of me and stuck with me to where it's like, I couldn't avoid putting it on the list. Yeah, when I was when I was watching it, I was like, this is not working for me at all. But I understand like I understand why this is near and dear to your heart, you know. Um, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, just one of those movies, I guess. Yeah, it's weird how both those lined up, you know, how the, about yeah. paths not taken, you know, that's your in an alternate universe. You would have been uh, I don't know. Who would you have been? Scott Stapp? No, not him. <laughs> 
Uh, I would have been the, Dave Grohl. I, don't know. I would have been the guy drinking, depressed about his life in the Piano Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, real shame you passed up that life. Um, yeah. All right, so my number, what are we on, seven? Yeah, this is your number seven. Yeah, this is my number seven. This is, Jesus. Wow, that that person uh, seems upset about something. I hate the city. Um, <laughs> numbers, my number seven is uh, buckle up because my number seven, oh, hey, pun intended, buckle up. My number seven is Ferrari. Are, um, it, are you going to have a, you, you going to have a meltdown? You know what? No, I'm not. That's great, man. I'm glad <laughs> Ferrari's on your list. <laughs> I was, um, I watched this, um, I don't know, a few days ago, a week ago. I don't know when it was. Um, so, you know, be careful of my recency bias. Um, you know what? Just, just whatever. <laughs> Fucking um, Ferrari. Yeah. You know, I, um, I, you know, the, the bad things you had to say about this movie, I literally was like, did, did you watch, like, did we watch the same movie? Like I was really confused. Um, because I, I mean, I don't know. I really enjoyed this movie. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll say what I liked about it and then you can, uh, cause you talked about it briefly on some episode, but, um, not, not, you didn't mention it a whole lot. Um, no, I don't think I brought it up at all. Actually. I don't think, I think we avoided talking about it in, in general. Oh, that's right. We talked about it off pod a little bit. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, I know you didn't like this, but yeah, I'll just get into what I liked. You know, I, I really liked this movie. You know, I thought, um, I thought it was an interesting kind of, um, I like how it, it only covers a few months of his life in 1957 at kind of a, you know, a turning point, um, in the life of Enzo Ferrari, the founder of, you know, Ferrari. Um, and you know, it, it, it kind of, there's two different movies going on. You know, one of them is this kind of, um, almost, you know, European style melodrama, um, of his home life. And then the other movie is, um, uh, the, the, you know, the racing, you know, the quick and fast racing and the, um, you know, the cameras on the cars and stuff and, you know, two very distinct, uh, 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 cinematic styles, I think. Um, one of them is very classical and very um, Italian Renaissance, you know, um, in its colors and in its naturalism. And then the other is very, um, you know, Italian futurist. You know, the camera is just kind of gliding along these these machines as they're, you know, hurtling down the, the highway and stuff. And it, it, I just found it... Um, Really interesting. I mean, I, and one of the reasons why and I love Michael Mann, obviously, so I'm probably biased here, but it's not as high as it could be because, I mean, I do recognize, you know, a lot of the flaws in this movie. I mean, it, it is kind of a the narrative doesn't quite click together um, as as well as it could, you know, but that that I feel like was secondary to, you know, what I really enjoyed, which is just the portrait of this 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 fascinating man and Adam Driver's performance is. And I saw some people complaining about the accent. I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. Um, I thought he was great. Um, he, he has, you know, Adam driver has, this might be my favorite performance of his. I'd have to look back, but like his screen presence is so incredible. He reminded me of like Marcello Mastriani, um, 
uh, from like eight and a half or something like it's so dignified. And so, you know, you can read the lines on his face when he's thinking about stuff and he plays about 20 years older than he actually is. And he does it pretty convincingly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I really like this movie. Um, I know you had mentioned some stuff off pod about some of the CGI stuff. I mean, I only noticed that in two instances that, some of the CGI looked a little wonky, but I mean, I, I don't know. I was so invested by then that I didn't, I didn't really uh, pay it any mind. Um, yeah, I don't know. I really like this movie. I thought it was uh, successful and and like good. It, it, it's definitely back to well, I was going to say it's kind of back to '90s man a little bit, and maybe it is because some of his more recent 21st century work has been so abstract. But there's also a little little public enemies and a little Ali in here as well, because all of the racing footage is shot digitally and you can tell it just has this, um, this movement and quickness to it. And I guess they were driving the cars like that actual speed. Like that was, that was a big part of why the budget for the movie was out of control because, um, the cars were literally mounted to these, or, or the cameras were mounted to these cars that were actually going as fast as they went in real life. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it was like we watched two different movies from hearing you talk about it. And then from when I watched it, I, I loved it, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I'm not going to shit talk a movie on your top 10, but nothing worked for me. I didn't think driver was great. I thought Shay- Shailene Woodley was awful. Um, I thought that the, you know, I just, the you know, and, and, and I, I'm not dismissing driver. I think he was fine. I don't think he was anything great. I am dismissing Shailene Woodley. I thought she was terrible. I thought she was really miscast. Um, but in terms of the story and all that, it just didn't work for me, you know, but that's the case with man. Sometimes, you know, you brought up public enemies. I hated public enemies, like with a passion and still do honestly. Um, so, I mean, some man movies just don't work for me. And then other movies like heat or collateral, they're the coolest fucking movies on the planet, you know? Um, mm. So, but yeah, Ferrari's just not for me, man. Like I, I rode pretty hard, no pun intended, for like Ford v Ferrari. So I think if I want to get a little more about that story and I want to see like the cool gimmick of putting the ca- the, the cameras on the cars and stuff like that, I feel like Ford v Ferrari did it better. Um, but I mean, it just wasn't for me. It's just one of those movies that was a miss. I am genuinely shocked to see it on your top 10, but there is no doubt that you are a bigger Michael Mann fan than I am. So... Yeah, I, I, I feel like this is the only really instance this year where I feel like we're kind of living on different planets with these movies. Because I actually, um, on Amazon, after I watched Ferrari, Ford v. Ferrari was one of the next things. It was like, you know, recommended. Want to watch this now? You know? Um, and I think it's on Prime or it was on Prime or something. I don't know. Um, and so I turned it on because I remember you, you know, comparing Ford v. Ferrari to this. And I was just like, dude, I'm not. I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched like the first 30 minutes, but like, I was just like, dude, I'm not, and it's, I'd seen it before. Like, I'm not, you know, this wasn't the first time I'd seen it. Um, but I was just, I don't know. I just, I feel like we're occupying two different planets where I was just like, I'm, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not seeing it. I, I really, I was really taken with like the, the action scenes, I guess in Ferrari seem unimpeachable to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, well, I think we're we're really occupying two different planets on this one. I'm gonna keep the fun going with occupying two different planets with my number seven. Oh boy, okay. Bo is afraid. Mm. <laughs> um, 
We talked about this movie on episode 210. I've watched it again since. Um, I love this movie. I loved it more the second time around. I, I can't I can't tell you why, and I am not going to judge anyone for not liking this movie. Like I went on my rant during episode 210, which I will not revisit. <laughs> I think if 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 you say he wasted his time or wasted money or blah blah blah, clearly I have a problem with that. But if you didn't like this movie, if this movie wasn't for you, if it was a three hour kind of miss from Ari Aster, that's fine. I get it, but it does work for me. And I think that's why I mean that's the beauty of cinema, which we talk about a lot, but I love the fact personally that I walked out of Ferrari and I was like, man, I really didn't like that. And it's on your top 10. Like there's something, there's something cool about that. There's something cool. Like I love Bo is afraid. It didn't work for you. I don't know. I I feel like there's just something interesting. That's why I love cinema as an art form. There's just something so interesting to me about stuff like that. I, um, I really love Bo is afraid though. You know, I, I, uh, there's just something about it. I, I can't really, it's a weird fucking movie, man. And there's a lot to unpack and I'm still unpacking, you know, I'm going to have to watch it again. There's just so much in it, but yeah, yeah. you know, I, um, I don't know. I don't, I, this doesn't feel to me like we're occupying completely different planets in the same way Ferrari, because I do get it with Bo was afraid and I'm, I'm never going to be one of those people who are like, Oh, he wasted his time or, you know, Oh, it's too self-indulgent or whatever. Like shut the fuck up. I hate when people say that shit. Um, for me, Bo was afraid very simply didn't work for me. I don't think really that had anything to do with the filmmaking. Well, I guess it had to do with the filmmaking in the sense that he was making the choices, but like there's two things. It had like two things that, um, you know, that I just didn't love, which is the mommy issues thing. Nope. Not for me. Like, you know, and like not to do a big thing, but like my mom died two years ago and I had to go, I had to journey back to, you know, take care of her as she died. And like, you know, I'm I'm not one to say that a movie was triggering, but if there were a movie that was triggering, this would be the one. Let's just say that, you know. No, I totally um, get that. And like movies, like literally, like the opening scene of this movie, like literally seems like it was directly taken from one of my like nightmares. Like I'm not kidding. And so like, this is a movie I was hardwired not to like. I did love the the middle section when he's like absorbed and watching the play. You know, I did. I did really like that. But like, I admire the artistry. I admire him fucking going for it. And anybody, obviously, especially you who can like go into the, the thicket of thorns that is this movie and really find something to grasp and hold on to like great. Fantastic. I'm, I'm glad because I do think he is a you know major artist. But like I not if not for me was a movie, this is it. Like it, you know, it just well, I, I'll, I, I'm genetically like deprogrammed from enjoying something like this. You know, I'll tell you this that I can't say uh, to my wife because Hereditary is like her most favorite movie of all time. But uh, I think Bo is Afraid might be his best movie. Mm. <laughs> so I don't, I don't I'm still I'm still trying to figure that one out. So don't. Don't uh, take me to task on it quite yet. I, uh, but I do. I am leaning towards that. There is just something really unique about this movie, and I'm still trying to figure it out. I mean, shout out to him, man. He, you know, he he wasted. I don't mean. I don't mean. I don't actually mean wasted, but he spent a lot of A24's money. He got Joaquin to do what is truly one of the most insane performances anybody's ever seen. Um, yeah, to basically you know, act out one of his crazy nightmare fantasies and, you know, more power to him. More, more of a director should get to do that shit, you know? 
But as I said on that episode and uh, and on 210, when I talked about Ari Aster short films and all that, I will reiterate, Ari Aster is a damaged, damaged little man. So, um, especially his short films. I was left just terribly uncomfortable. Uh, so anyway, what is your number six? My number six is another movie that we haven't talked about. Uh, my number six Uh-oh. is, uh, unrest. Um, okay. Which, uh, did you watch this? I did. I watched it okay. uh, a few days ago. Yeah. So I wa- unrest is a movie that is very peculiar, but very, very up my alley. Um, it is a period piece that takes place in, um, I don't know, the late 1800s, I think, or maybe it's, no, 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 it's the early 1900s. Um, yeah, early 1900s, I believe. Yeah, and it's it's basically um, Peter Kropotkin, who is this uh, influential um, kind of communist thinker slash writer, uh, or I guess anarchist, eventually. Um, he travels to uh, Switzerland, and Switzerland is strangely kind of a, an international hub of like, you know, anarchist political thought. And he turns into an anarchist and ah, not much else happens. (laughs) Like not, not, not really a whole lot happens. You know, Um, I think the main attraction for me for this movie was um, it, it, it sounds quaint to say this today and socialism, you know, became kind of a little fad with Bernie Sanders and, nobody really, I feel like nobody really cares about it anymore. And, you know, we consider like a lot of these European countries to be socialists, like Norway and and Sweden. And they're like, uh, we're not socialists, we're capitalists, you know? So the alternative to like, you know, dem- like liberal dem- democratic uh, capitalism, you know, the, the alternative to that was the Soviet Union and it, it, it was destroyed, you know, 30 years ago, fell apart 30 years ago. So it's almost quaint to remember that there was a time in human history, not very long ago where alternatives to capitalism were um, cropping up all over the world. You know, like everybody wants to talk about Marx, but like Marx, what the first sentence in the communist manifesto is there is a, the specter of communism is, is haunting Europe. Right. He didn't like the communist manifesto didn't invent Europe. It was, or sorry. The Communist Manifesto didn't invent communism. It was describing something that was already bubbling up in all of these different countries around the world. And somehow um, Switzerland was kind of in the middle. You know, you've got workers from Switzerland um, uh, interacting with, you know, unionizing workers in San Francisco and sending them funds and and things like that. And you also have this big battle between communism and anarchism. Right. Are we going to is this going to be a top down kind of uh, enforced equality or is this going to kind of be a community led bottom up, um, you know, system of government like anarchy, you know, anarchism. And it's hard to remember that there used to be alternatives to shit. (laughs) There used to be actual political parties that had power that you could join that were alternatives to the, the mainstream political thought. You know, and that's one of the things I really liked about this movie. It 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 takes you back to uh, a simpler time when it seemed like alternatives were possible. You know, maybe you think alternatives are possible now, but let's be fucking honest. If you think that now, you're a pretty goddamn big optimist. You know, I'll just say that. Back then, it seemed like a real possibility, and 
So what this movie does is it transports, I know I've talked a lot, but this movie transports you back to this specific point in time. And the way that it's filmed and the way that it's, it's just this kind of naturalistic, you know, it, it doesn't look like it's set designed. You know what I mean? It doesn't look like, uh, you know, like uh, old timey days as, as pictured in Disney world or something, you know, like the camera is not stuffed with all kinds of period details and stuff. Like it, it just looks kind of naturalistic and lived in a lot of natural light being used. Um, yeah. I don't know that those are the things that I really liked about this movie. There's not a lot of there, there in this movie. I don't feel like, um, and that's, I don't know. That's kind of why I liked it. It was just kind of, it's kind of a weird, just little, a portrait of a unique point in history. You know, I don't know. What did you think about this movie? I've, I've talked a lot. Uh, I will say first, I was wrong. It is 1877. So yes, it oh, is okay. the late 1800s. Uh, I liked it, man. I'm a big fan of any shakeup to do with directing. You know, I love what they did. That still camera, people going out of shot, hearing them talk, the out of focus, way he shot that I don't know I really love that aspect of it in terms mm. of the subject matter I love the idea like this is probably not the idea you should take away from this movie but I love clocks I mm. love like watches I think that the the engineering aspect of them are amazing so I was really enjoying like when they would watch them build and like they would talk about like one of my favorite lines which is so comical was he was like if you if you uh, can up your productivity, uh, it'll mean more profits for the company and, and for me and for us. Right, <laughs> <It's> like, right. <laughs> okay, okay, hot shot. Um, <laughs> anyway, dude, I uh, I liked it, man. It was fucking short. It was breezy. It was just one of those things. I don't even really know what happened. Like, clearly, I know what happened on paper, but it's like, yeah. what the fuck is going on in this movie? Yeah. Like, it's like 90 minutes long, and it's just like... <laughs> These motherfuckers are chilling out, making watches and just talking about shit. I don't know. It was it was an interesting movie, man. Like it's been on my list for a while just because I heard it was really unique and it did not disappoint. Like it was unique and cool. Yeah, kind of experimental in a in a in a very conventional way, if if that makes any sense whatsoever. Like it, it's unique, but it's like it's not like all over the place and extravagant unique. It's like, no, no, we're just going to we're just going to put the camera about 20 miles away and we're going to zoom in and some people are going to have some conversations. And then those people are going to go off screen and we're going to be looking at the side of a building for a few more seconds. You know, like it, it's, um, yeah. And no, I'm with you about the clock thing. It's like that, that I feel like is un, an underrated part in movies where you just get to see some people doing some shit, you know, like, it's like, Oh damn, I didn't know that about clocks, you know, like, Oh yeah. It's so cool, man. It really is. It's cool just to see that shit. Um, and I should also mention this is, you know, not to get all theoretical about it or whatever, but this is also a flashpoint in the history of capitalism as well, because capitalism is about to pop off. It's about to turn, you know, it's about to go into like hyper mode, right? Because. So you um, mean the hero is coming to save the day? Obviously. Yeah. The hero, okay. is, <laughs> the hero is the, yeah, the driving force of capital. <laughs> the universe world spirit of capital um, is uh, is is really about to pop off because you have these, you know, these factory workers who are or these factory uh, owners who are realizing like, wait a second, if we 
like, like, like just to break down one scene, there's an amazing scene that you, where you see the, and all this sounds very heady, but the way that the film describes it is very practical. Like here's the scene that I'm talking about. There's a scene where, um, the supervisors or what are coming, coming to the factory workers and they're timing each person doing each step of the job, right. With a little stopwatch and they're timing it and they're saying, okay, that took eight seconds. That took six seconds. And they're trying, what they're trying to do is build a, a standard that everyone has to go by in the future, right? If you can't do this step in six seconds or eight seconds or whatever, then, you know, you're fired or you need to improve or whatever. They're trying to build a standard, a, a standard of work and time. And so you can see they're trying to weasel out every second of these workers' lives. And then the supervisor leaves and one of the workers goes, you know, if you take longer to do it when they're timing you, then that'll give us more breathing room in the future because they're building yeah. a standard right now. <laughs> and like, dude, that, that right there, like whenever, whenever like anybody talks about like, you know, capitalism, communism, whatever, socialism, all this shit, that's what it boils down to right there. It boils down to a battle between the higher ups saying we need to squeeze every bit of time out of our workers. And then the workers coming back and saying, how do we make our working conditions less oppressive? Right. Even in the very small ways. And like that battle between those two things. I mean, if you're a historical materialist, you think that battle is the primary driving force that determines all of world history. Right. And the movie boils it down to just that one little scene. Right. Just that one little scene and interaction. And that's what I thought was so fascinating about it. It's not it's not pompous and and, you know, like oh, here's these big thematic, like it's not reds, you know, it's not, not some big pompous thing about the Russian revolution. No, it's about the day-to-day practicalities of how do I get this fucking supervisor off my back? Cause he's trying to squeeze every little ounce of work out of me and it's making me miserable, you know? And then that battle turns into, you know, um, which capitalism eventually won, obviously, um, but anyways, you mix all that shit in with the clocks and with the with the Swiss and the weird time period, and you've got a movie tailor made for me. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I was I was worried about this, and I was like, I don't know, man. This is a little unconventional, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, man, unconventional doesn't always work, but when it works, I like I, I think it. I think it's awesome. So, um, all right. So what's your next one? My number six is one we have discussed on episode two hundred six. It is John Wick four. I mean, John Wick fucking rocks. I don't even like, you know, I don't know why it's probably like, uh, like that, that forced, like, and you may struggle with this too. I don't know. But like, there's like this forced elitist voice in me that, that has, you know, awoken over the last, I don't know, 10 years when it comes to movies. And it's like, like last year, like I put Top Gun, Top Gun. I still fucking love that movie. I've watched it twice since I made, we made the list last year. But there's something weird about it, right? There's something weird mm. about Top Gun being on my top 10. So then yeah, with John that. Wick 4, it's like, man, there's something weird about this fucking Hitman action movie being on my top 10. And then it's like, oh, I don't give a fuck because John Wick owns. John Wick 4 was huge. It was just the scale of it was magnificent. It was beautiful to watch. It's just it's it's amazing. And, I, and there was no way I could not only avoid it being on my list, but put it fairly high. Because I got so much joy out of it. I think I've seen it like six fucking times. The movie owns. I mean, I I, I don't know. Just go listen to episode 206 if you want to hear us hash it out. Uh, I think you liked it too, though. So, um, 
Oh yeah. Either way, yeah. No, I liked it a lot. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that the franchise is is starting to creak under the weight of its own, you know, whatever. But no, I mean, dude, I, I think, I think John Wick was by far like the best action movie, you know, of the year. And the only reason it's not on my top ten is just because I, I don't know. It's hard for me to put like. It's hard for me to like really be like, no, this was one of my favorite movies of the year. It's like, no, I enjoyed it, but it's, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah, the thing about it is like criteria for me is like, did it make me think? Did it do this? Did it do that? And it's like John McFord didn't make me think. It didn't do anything except make me want to be a hitman, you know? So right, right. <laughs> Yeah, totally. In that world, in that world, though, like the world that John Wick created, it's like, oh, fuck, yeah. Like, of course you want to be there. Like, that's just so badass. So it's it's completely empty for the most part in terms of what, like, you know, some people might say art should do for you, but it, it doesn't matter. Empty calories, if you will. But I, I don't give a shit. Like, I'll take it all day. So, well, it's interesting. That's a pretty good segue into my number five. Um Oh, now because, I'm very curious. Yeah, because this is a movie that is that is that some people might say empty calories, but um, and this is a movie that we've talked about. Uh, Champions is my number five. You know what? I was really hoping you were going to do something fucking nuts and put Champions as your number one, and I was going to love it. You um, were hoping I was going to put it at number one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, dude, this is going to be so cool. Uh, we talked about Champions on two twelve, by the way, episode okay. two twelve. Um, yeah, I mean, Champions, dude, I, I like this movie was at my number three and then I kind of came to my senses and I was like, come on, like it's, you know, like and you'll you'll see what is what's ahead. Maybe that was a stupid decision. You'll see what's ahead of it in a minute. But we talked about Champions, dude. This is again, this is pure like it, it, exactly what you just said. Like people may think this is empty calories, pure and complete pleasure center just target in this movie you know woody harrelson gives such a such a nuanced and and just full of screen presence movie star performance that just like you just can't fucking replicate man like dude i don't know actually i was gonna say adam driver adam driver is capable of this performance probably but like some of the more lauded actors and stuff are just not capable of making, of doing a, a big broad movie star performance like this. And I don't know. We talked about it enough on that episode. Go listen to it. We talked about it a lot, dude. I fucking love this movie. It was just so well done. So the well-worn genre tropes, man, it just hits those just with a ton of bricks. I just, man, I just loved it. Uh, Champions is so great. That's my, that's my number five. I second all that. I love this movie. It's fantastic. Go watch it if you haven't seen it. I think it's streaming on Prime. You will not regret it. You will feel so good after. You know, just go watch it because it's it's fucking awesome. And you know, you wouldn't know that for some of the other movies on this list on our both of our lists. But like, sometimes movies are just supposed to make you feel good. You know, like. <laughs> well, so- I have. It, it, it's funny you say that because I have two movies on my top ten that both like induce panic of the uh, the inevitable nuclear holocaust. And the mm. dangers of, of, of nuclear. So it's like, yeah, go watch Champions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes movies are just supposed to make you feel good. You don't have to be contemplating the, you know, the fucking human condition all the time, you know? Uh, you know, speaking of, of the nuclear holocaust, my number five is uh, Godzilla minus one. Mm. And, uh, dude, this movie fucking rocks. It rocks all the way. Like, I don't give a shit. Some of it's cliched. Some of it's contrived, you know, 
you can make the argument about the third act if you want. I don't care. I think it's all set up perfectly. The visuals are stunning. It got nominated for an Academy Award. It cost $15 million to make, which is insane. They made Godzilla feel fresh again. They made him scared again. He's not like some fucking savior giant lizard from the ocean that's going to save humanity. He is here to fuck shit up in this movie. And it works. He is fear incarnate. Like he is like, you know, I, I feel like not, and this is a whole thing. I'll make it very brief. I don't think it's the West that neutered Godzilla. I think they started neutering him over there, you know, with a few of the sequels hmm. um, before we got our hands on it. So I really love, they brought the fear back. Like he is not like our pet. He is not a guardian in this movie. He is the walking embodiment of nuclear devastation. Uh, that is one of the most horrific events in the history of mankind. And the fact that they made him this way again, the fact that they were able to put that message in so well. And I, I don't know, this movie owns, like, I cannot believe Godzilla felt this fresh again. I, I can't, I can't even, I, I still sitting here, I've seen it twice. I cannot wrap my head around how fresh they made Godzilla feel. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for this movie. I, I haven't gotten around to seeing it yet. Um, I will say I love Godzilla being our friend. Oh, me too. Don't get me wrong, dude. I love the 2014 Godzilla. Like when, when he shows up and then he has to fight the monsters and he saves us. I love all that. But when you get down to the bones of Godzilla, like the original, it's like, it's really nice to see them really utilize him again and make him a weapon. Right. No, you're right. You're right. You're a hundred percent right. I was just like, just me personally. I remember watching that Godzilla in 2014 and like, you know, you reach like the, you know, two thirds of the way through that movie and it, you're just like, wait, he, he's our friend? Like, <laughs> and dude, I just, that was just such an incredible moment. Like, wait, he he's fighting for us? Like, I just, I just love that so much. But no, I'm, I'm very excited to watch this movie. Um, yeah, we'll also, probably talk about this on the podcast when you watch it because I'm very curious to see what you think because I do think we disagree on how much of a role like the human should play in a kaiju movie. So I'm really curious to see what you think about it. When you watch no, actually I will say we don't disagree on that. And the reason we don't disagree on it is because I just frankly have not seen enough kaiju movies to really have a take. That was just something that I read online that some people were saying that, that this movie doesn't focus, it focuses on the humans too much. You know, that's not something that oh, I okay. think. Okay. That's just something that I read. No, I, I, I'm not experienced with kaiju movies enough to really have any kaiju hot takes, you know? So like, I'm, I'm a pure soul. I'm, I'm ready for Godzilla minus zero, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, we'll probably talk about this when I get around to seeing it. Cause I, I really am looking forward to it. Um, now I'm very curious about what your top four is because I know what two of them are, but I don't know what the other two are. Okay. Yeah. My, uh, my number four is, uh, Oppenheimer, which I'm sure is on your list. I'm assuming. Um, no, it was, but I took it off in favor of Saltburn. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, I'm gonna have a stroke <laughs> yeah it's um, on my list it's just slightly higher okay we can wait on it then yeah, my number four is Oppenheimer and also just uh, I'll, I'll probably say it again but uh, we talked about Oppenheimer on episode 191 if you want to go okay. back and check that out yeah my number four we have not talked about on here is American Fiction hmm. this movie 
was so good and so funny and so brilliant. Dare I use the the B word on it? Um, I, I thought it was fantastic. You know, it's another movie. It's not flawless. It's another movie that, in my opinion, does not stick the landing as much as I would have liked it to. I think we saw a few movies this year. Barbie's another one. Like mm. these movies that are really funny and really put well put together and has a really good social message and like they do a good job of executing a lot of things, but they kind of fall a little flat in the third act. And I think the idea and the concept for American fiction is beautifully done. And it's based on a book, which I'm going to read because I'm very curious to learn more, but I don't think they really knew how to wrap it up. Having said that, it didn't matter because everything worked in this movie outside of that. Jeffrey Wright was amazing. He's a dark horse to win the uh, the Academy Award, and I wouldn't even be mad, dude. He was so good. So glad to see Sterling K. Brown got a nomination for Best Supporting. Wouldn't even be mad if he won. He was so fucking good. Um, the movie rocks. Watch it as soon as you can. It, uh, it honestly kind of blew me away. It, it took everything in me not to move it higher on my list, but I held off it for yeah i'm i'm obviously very much um uh looking forward to this um we will it, definitely talk about this once you watch it because there is a ton to unpack in that movie yeah and i'm sure you know because with the writing thing and you know my whole uh you know uh existence in that world however small it is i'm sure i'll have a lot of bullshit to say about this movie um yeah okay um, my number three is anatomy of a fall. Not a lot to say about it. Um, you know, just, just briefly, uh, I guess, uh, I'm assuming your number three is Oppenheimer. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah. Okay. So just briefly, I'll just, I'll just want to say like, you know, Oppenheimer was my four anatomy of a fall was my three, you know, Oppenheimer is so high. I, I think Oppenheimer had a lot of flaws, um, which I outlined, you know, I feel like quite a bit in, and I need to rewatch it. Um, but Oppenheimer lived so um, Oppenheimer just lived so deep down in my heart this year. Like I could not get it out of my head. Um, the beginning where he's like, you know, going to all these different European cities to study and he's looking at these Picassos and the whole, do you hear the music section, you know, and, you know, outlining this time in, science and in art and in, in some ways this is it's a good it's a good um uh, uh double feature with unrest in this way because it, it's about a certain period of time at the birth of modernism um where you know a different world seemed possible you know um and we all know how that went um and so yeah that 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 representation of that and also the whole thing around the bomb, like the first basically half of the movie was so, um, it was just so powerful, man. I mean, the guy, the guy takes us into the, into the center of hell, you know, into the center of this, um, this, uh, uh, this, you know, awful device. And, but, but again, I I do think it had some flaws, um, and that's one of the reasons why Anatomy of Fall was a little bit higher for me. Even though the highs are higher with Oppenheimer, the as a whole, I think Anatomy of a Fall is just it's just perfect. It's just perfectly directed, it's perfectly scripted, it's perfectly acted. Um in some ways, this is the type of movie that someone like Nolan is completely incapable of making. And that's fine. 
because everybody else in the world is incapable of making uh, or taking such a huge swing like Oppenheimer, you know? So, you know, uh, it is what it is. The Lord, the cinema gods giveth and they taketh away. Um, so yeah, that was my rationale for anatomy of a fall being this high. I just think it's perfect. I think it's, it's perfect in every possible way. It's so well done. So well directed. I don't want to live in this movie. I may never even watch it again, but it was just from a construction standpoint, it was just like, wow, this is, this is, this is absolutely iron, ironclad, like tight as a drum. Uh, and then Oppenheimer is like a big sloppy masterpiece for me. And that's why, I don't know, I thought it was interesting that these two things were kind of back to back on my list, almost unintentionally. Um, but yeah, I don't know. What about you? What about you having Oppenheimer at number three, a little bit higher than me? Yeah, I mean, Oppenheimer is really kind of a conundrum because a lot of it works. Some of it doesn't, as you just said. And I think more of it worked for me than for you. Mm-hmm. But it it almost became more about a Nolan spectacle, yep. Opposed to the the undertaking of examining this point in history, right? Um, and in my opinion, as crazy as it is to say, Godzilla did more to strike fear in you about the a, a possible nuclear holocaust than Oppenheimer did, in my opinion, because yeah. it felt yeah, like. The fear was there with Oppenheimer. Like I said, it, it was the Nolan show, man. Like it was big and it was bold and it was just so fucking good and so well shot. And he is a fucking, he is, he is, he is like a borderline Kubrick. You know, I would never say he's Kubrick, obviously, but I mean, he is a cold operating British robot, you know, mm-hmm. and the movie lacked a bit of a soul. But it didn't matter because the spectacle of it. I've seen Oppenheimer like four fucking times. The spectacle overcometh all when it came to Oppenheimer. So I think he gets a pass from a lot of a lot of people who are big fans. I'm not going to, um, you know, disparage them because they I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way about a movie. That's my number one of the year. So it is what it is. Um, But Oppenheimer was fucking great. It wasn't flawless. But it was great. Had some great performances, and it was beautiful. And I can't wait to watch it again. It's it's fucking Nolan, dude. Like, like you said, Nolan cannot make Anatomy of a Fall. But mm. you know, who the fuck's gonna make Oppenheimer? <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, that's that is such a great yeah yeah. Who the fuck is gonna make Oppenheimer? Just one person. Um, no, no CGI, no CGI shot with a single camera in 59 days. Make that make sense in your brain. Cause I have yet to do it. Dude. It's, 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 I mean, <laughs> it's like Dude, Ridley it's... Scott's out there shooting Napoleon with 60 fucking cameras. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and Nolan's just over here making Oppenheimer with one. I'm sorry. That doesn't compute in my brain. Dude, it's, 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 you know, Nolan is, um, it, it, it's so, man, I don't even know, like, like everybody talking about like, oh, the politics behind it and the whatever. And it's like, dude, you're not, you're not fucking getting it, man. Like big bomb go boom. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like you're, you're not seeing the, you're looking at the, the trees and you should be looking at the motherfucking forest, you know, like. This is, I don't know. I, no, you're, you said it really, really well. Like this is less of a reckoning with, 
you know, uh, the evil in mankind that can build. And then it's, it's more of just Nolan spectacle. And it has all of the Nolan bullshit that comes along with it. Like, and how much you are willing to go along with the Nolan bullshit, you know, your mileage may vary, you know, like Matt Damon is absolutely hamming it up in this movie. (laughs) In the best way. Yeah, in the best way. And then like some of the some of the shit is just like so annoying and it's like Nolan is really bad at writing women, I feel like. And it's like, dude, I don't I don't know what to tell you, man. Just watch the fucking movie and get get carried away by it, you know? Um No, you put it really well. You put it yeah, you put it really well. This is this is you know, you wanna watch you wanna watch like uh, a real reckoning with like nuclear holocaust, like go watch some Kurosawa movies right after you know, World War Two, or go watch the original Godzilla. It's like, no, dude, this is a big fucking spectacle. You yeah, know? go watch I Live in Fear. That's, then, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll I Live in Fear. That's a good poll. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so so now I'm very curious about your top two, because I know what one of them is, but the other one I have no idea. Anybody knows what my top two, you and the listeners, anybody that's been listening long enough will know mine, but very curious about yours. I can't think of your top two. I, I obviously know one of them. Um my number two is uh, Fallen Leaves. Did you watch this? I did, and I am very shocked that it is this high on your list. Really? Not in a um, bad way. I'm just shocked. Yeah, this is my number two. I mean, this is, you know, um, and everybody probably knows what both of our number ones are at this point. But, like, this was the, like, last year, I think French Dispatch was my number one. This was my French Dispatch. I was so taken with this movie. Fallen Leaves is a movie by... Uh, Finnish director Aki Korosmaki. Um and he is a um, pretty prolific director. I think he's made about twenty movies, and um, Criterion Collection has released a lot of his movies. I've never seen one before this, um, and I will be remedying that very, very quickly because you know basically this is a story about you know t- talk. By the way, talk about pain. Alexander Payne Ozu, like this is the real Ozu. This is, you know, this is basically about uh, a man and a woman, like two working class people. He's like a sandblaster or something. I don't know what he does, but they, they just he does a few that? different he does a few different things, and they're all bad for you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's he's slowly dying from all of his jobs. Um, but and, and they're basically just two working class people who just kind of connect. Basically, that's really it. That's they kind of connect and you think that this is going to be some kind of down and dirty tale of the proletariat. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of, that's kind of how at least I started the movie and I was like, Oh boy, this is not going to go well. And then it just kind of turns into this really charming, um, almost like it takes place in an alternate universe, you know, like they have cell phones, but they're listening to like, radio on transistor radio there's no tvs or screens anywhere and there's there's a heavy element of like cinema and its power to bring people together and there's a lot of just like movie posters in the background that kind of almost comment on the action it, it it's uh, i saw somebody on letterbox call this nice core and it's like that <laughs> that kind, of, kind of is what this movie is it's just kind of nice you know these people interact and they you know, this guy changes his behavior based on this woman uh, and, and her thoughts of him. And the woman adopts a dog for essentially no reason in the middle of the movie. And the dog is just 
there for the rest of the movie and has no bearing whatsoever on anything. And it's like, yeah, that's my kind of movie. Like where you get the idea that like they, I don't don't think this is true, but you get the idea that they just like ran into a stray dog while making the movie. And then they were like, let's make him part of the movie. And he just is. And then he just, he's with the main actress for like the last, I don't know, 45 minutes of the movie. And then that's it. There's no, I don't know. It's just, dude, I just, I love this movie so much. The performances are so um, Bressonian and just naturalistic and, and kind of barely there. And um, yeah, it doesn't take place in any recognizable reality. You know, it, it, it's almost like a fairy tale and it's dude, I don't know, man. I just, I just love it. Plus that little, that whole power of cinema bullshit. I'm always going to be a sucker for that. And, um, and it's hilarious that the, you know, the, the, the movie they watch together is not, uh, it's not like, you know, Anna Karina watching Passion of Joan of Arc, you know, in a Godard movie. It's them watching the Jim Jarmusch zombie movie. And then afterwards, <laughs> they're like, also, it's really funny. I should mention that, too. It's hilarious. Like, there's some really, really hilarious. So much dry humor, dude. So oh, good. dude. Yeah. She's like, how did you like the movie? And she, he's like, how did you like the movie? And she's like, I loved it. And she was like. But there's no way all those cops could have killed all those zombies. And he's like, yeah, you're probably right. And they're just like, (laughs) I don't know, man. I like, I loved it. I don't know. What did you think about it? I'm curious. I loved it, man. I thought it was great. I mean, it's, um, it's, it's got, you know, obviously power of cinema. I agree with you. I'm a sucker for that too. But dude, their relationship, the writing, everything felt so naturalistic. Like, I don't know. It, It was, it was really fun. Like it was just a good vibes movie, as you would say, like, just these people, like it kind of took a dark turn with the whole hospital incident, which I don't, I won't get into. Cause I know this movie's fairly new. It's streaming now on movie. If you guys want to check it out. Um, it did take a little bit of a dark turn and then it picked itself back up. So yeah, I, it's uh, like, it, yeah, it kinda, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. It, like it, it takes like a fake dark turn, you know, you're like, Oh, here we go. And then it's like, nah, everything's fine. You know, like <laughs> everything's good. Dog's there. Everybody, you know, everybody, it's everything's fine. You know, like it was, I don't know, man. I, I just, dude, I love this. I can't wait to, we really should do an episode on him and try to maybe pick out some criterion titles that they've released. Um, because I, yeah, I'd be down. Cause I really liked his style. He's got such a unique voice and it was like, you know, it, it, it's, I think that's part of the reason why it was so high on my list too, is cause it was a new voice. Like it was like, you know, you watch all kinds of shit and then you just perk up and you're like, Oh wait, this is new. I haven't, I haven't heard this before. You know, I haven't seen I haven't seen anything like this before. And it's um yeah. So anyways, that's that's my number two. Fallen leaves, loved it. You know, nothing more more else to say. Once again, interesting that your number two invokes uh something very familiar to my number two. Uh mm. the holdovers. Alexander Payne's the holdovers. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned Ozu and Payne. Uh yeah, I mean, dude, we talked about the holdovers on two ten. Uh, nothing's changed. I've watched it again since it, it works for me on every level. It is like, I, I'm not Mr. Sentimental, but this movie is like a nice big hug. It's like, it's mm. like, you know what, you know, at the end of like disaster movies or something when or not disaster movies, but you'll know what I mean. When like the ambulance is there and they have the people and they they put one of those weather blankets on them and they're giving them coffee or cocoa or something. And like everything feels safe in that moment because the mm-hmm. disaster has passed. That's this movie. Mm. Like this movie utilizes every character. The story is great. 
It's so fucking funny. It's all it, it, it's it's probably funnier than American fiction. I don't know which one I laughed at more, but it was genuinely hilarious. Paul Giamatti just fucking killed it. I don't know, man. I think this is Alexander Payne's best movie, in my opinion. It's, it's my number one of, of his films, which is a lot, say a lot, because, you know, I'm a big fan of Nebraska and about Schmidt. But uh, anyway, I mean, yeah, go listen to episode 210 if you want to hear us talk about it. You didn't like it as much as me. Uh, but you still liked, I mean, you know, it's not like you hated it. So no, I really liked it. I, I really liked the holdovers. I, you know, I, the, the, and, and I'm, I'm clearly in the minority here. I think the things that are cozy about this movie that everybody is saying is kind of cozy and comforting are just not the things that I find cozy and comforting. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but when I, when I see like snowy new England, I think of a fucking horror movie for some reason. I don't know why, but like it, you know, it, it's, um, but I do get it. I, I do get it. And I do think it's a really well-made movie. And I also think, I also think this is Paul Giamatti's, maybe his best performance. I mean, I know. Oh, I agree. Hands down. Like, I think Sideways would, you know, be another, co- you know, competitor in that category. Maybe even American Splendor. Talk about an underrated movie. Um, oh, yeah. That movie's a masterpiece, dude. It's so good. Um, but, but dude, this is, it, this feels like the culmination of everything that, Giamatti's career has been building up to. He he is so fucking good in this movie. Like it, it's, and the dialogue that Payne has him say is is so good. It's so good and so funny. And um, I really no, hope this you. wins for for screenplay. I really hope it wins. I don't think it's going to win anything else. I really hope it wins for that. Yeah, it's um, it's it's a really good movie. You know, it it didn't it didn't touch me in all the all the right places uh, like I thought it would, honestly. Um, but you know, I no, I respect it. Yeah, it's it, it was really good. I enjoyed it. And also, like, since I'm assuming we both have the same number one, I will say this before we talk about that. Uh, I when I was hashing my list out on paper, I, I really thought about putting the holdovers as number one. Like mm. it. it it was it was briefly occupying that spot, which really matters to no one but me. But still, I was like, I can't, I gotta, I, I can't do it. But I, I really thought about it. Yeah, I kind of had, the, I kind of had the same thing. Like, um, it's interesting. We kind of have a parallel two and one. Like number two for both of us is just kind of a comfy, warm blanket, and then number one is you know the scorched earth of American genocide. You know? Yeah, I kick in the balls of uh, of the tragic puzzle piece of American history. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, do you want to? I mean, I don't even know really what to say about Killers of the Flower Moon that we haven't already said. I mean, you know. Yeah, we talked about it on episode two hundred one. I don't know if I said that out loud, um, dude. Yeah, I mean, go listen to that episode. We talked about it for like over an hour, I think. Uh, I, mean, I don't know, man. This movie, Martin Scorsese is a god. He's the greatest living filmmaker, and in my opinion, he's probably the greatest filmmaker of all time. Nobody could have done this movie the way he did runtime be damned he utilized every minute sorry if the pacing wasn't good enough for you um you know it rips apart the blood-soaked fabric of american genocide and it it just it goes in hard and you know i was talking about this movie with somebody uh online actually and it was like there is no catharsis right hmm and then I, I immediately thought, and this is the first time I've thought this, which is why I'm sharing it. What if the reason a lot of people had an issue with this movie and like talked about the way it made them feel or like it was too slow or, you know, just something they couldn't put their finger on is that lack of catharsis hmm. because there is none. 
because we're still living it. And the parallels that 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 movie shows running through the 1920s. Now, here we are 100 years later are scary. And the Martin Scorsese literally says there were no talk of the murders. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Curtains, you know, Um, I don't know, dude, I feel like I could talk about this movie for another hour, so I'm going to shut up. So why, why was it your number one? I mean, obviously, I think we know why, but tell us a little bit why. I mean, you know, I, I think there's one, I think there's two different angles at this for me. You know, one of them is, and the one I'm about to say is the least important one, believe it or not. But, you know, genocide is is on the menu, so to speak, uh, in in this state in of the world, you know, and like, you know, I'm, I'm not, don't worry, I'm not going to go on some big political screed, but like, you know, I, I think the, you know, with, with the disasters that climate change has, you know, has wrought, it's going to cause, it, 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 it's going to, it has caused a lot of, um, uh, migrant migration and, and movements of people. And, you know, humanity is facing a pretty black and white choice, honestly, which is, okay, well, how do we, I mean, aside from stopping climate change, which it may be impossible at this point, but aside from all that, aside from even even that conversation, humanity is faced with a pretty stark choice, which is, you know, some of the places on Earth are becoming unlivable. What do we do with the people that live there? You know, what do we do with what do we do with them? You know, and I think um, I think the prevailing answer is going to be we're going to exterminate them, you know, and I, I don't in one way or another. You know, by either just closing up the gates, or um, sometimes directly. There's a gen- there's a genocide going on right now. The fucking International Criminal Court. You know, like it, it, it. There's a genocide going on right now where you know the Israeli right wing government is is just straight up murdering children. You know, uh, I mean, it, it, it is a genocide happening right now, and it's. Um, I think it's the prevailing, uh, 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 I will say a prevailing ideology of our age is to get used to it, to be, be more comfortable, you know, um, or, or just be apathetic towards it because you've got shit going on in your life and you don't have time or the, sure. the attention span, you know? Sure. Right. To, to make yourself immune to the suffering of others and then sometimes the dying of others, you know, I mean, it's, you know, I live in New York City and you, you go outside at, let's, you know, let's say you take a walk outside at 7 o'clock p.m. in New York City. You're going to see people zipping across the city on bikes, uh, in cars, you know, mostly on bikes, sometimes on foot. And they're basically our food delivery slaves, right? Now, a law was just passed in New York to bring them up to minimum wage. So, you know, maybe that's... Maybe that will make life better for for those people. But until then, you know, they're they're delivery slaves, right? And they're for us to deliver our food. And these are immigrants who live, mostly immigrants who live in, um, you know, very very awful conditions. That most of us people who listen to podcasts and the people who watch movies and, you know, we wouldn't even we wouldn't even begin to think about living in, right? And, um, you know getting immune to that suffering is, is part of the spirit of the age, I feel like. And I guess that's one of the things that makes this movie so important to me 
but I don't think the movie is going to change anything, right? And so I guess what is what is also important from for this movie for me is it's the skill of artistry, right? Like we're we're witnessing probably the last um we're witnessing probably the the greatest late period of any director ever. I mean, I'd love to be proven wrong if anybody knows anything that I don't, but I don't you know, if when you go say Wolf of Wall Street, Silence, Irishman, Killers of the Flower Moon, I I don't what do you even say? We're in, you know, like this this guy is cooking on all cylinders, and not only is he cooking on all cylinders, he's making movies that are relevant. You know, how do you make the most relevant movie, the most well done and artistic movie with the best performances, and also you're a director at the top of their game? somehow at the top of their game still at the top of their game at damn near 80 years old how do you do that i I, and that's to me why it's like though this is a no-brainer dude like you know christopher nolan's oppenheimer is a it's almost like a children's blockbuster compared to killers of the flyer moon killers of the flyer moon has a, a a moral and emotional weight and honesty and precision and an artistic and aesthetic integrity that is absolutely unimpeachable. And it is like, it is, it's what Woodrow Wilson said about Birth of a Nation is history written in lightning across the screen. Do I think it's going to change the world? No. Do I think anybody is going to see it who has any power and it's going to change their mind about, you know, getting us used to genocide in order to, to deal with climate change? No. But, as an artistic achievement, it is absolutely staggering, staggering compared to not only any other movie that comes out, but any other art that is just being made anywhere. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've gone long, but that's, that's why it was my number one movie. It was never even a question. I would now, I would never put anything that I even liked above this movie. It is such a staggering artistic achievement of like moral and emotional integrity that, you know, what, what can you say? What, word, words fail that 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 we have a gift like this from such a gifted artist. Um, you know, what do what do you say other than all that bullshit I just said? You know. No, I mean, obviously, I agree. I echo all of that. It's um, you know, the Irishman was misunderstood, and I feel like a lot of people got so bogged down in the runtime that a lo- uh, you missed an opportunity to kind of allow yourself to, to absorb it and, and, and go over what he's capable of doing at this stage and what he did with killers of the flower moon. And I mean, it's, it's a brilliant masterpiece. It's one of the greatest films of the 21st century. And honestly, like depending on how history goes with film, it's probably going to end up being one of the most important pieces of, of art in cinematic history. If it's not already. No, I'm with you. And, you know, movies are, you know, I'm, 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 I'm prime suspect number one for the movies are trash demographic. Right. And I know we sometimes disagree about this, but like movies are supposed to be baubles. They're supposed to be fun and entertaining. And that's the primary goal. But it's like Scorsese's not making movies anymore. He's making cathedrals. He's making pyramids, you know, like this is, yeah, people misunderstood the Irishman. Yeah. Yeah. People are complaining about the runtime. Because they're wanting a movie, and he's not making movies anymore. You know, like I said, he, he's he's making the Empire State Building. You know, and, and it's 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 awesome that we get to experience that. 
And it's awesome that he is reaching this apex of artistic integrity at the end of his career. What vitality, what, what vitality and, and, and just power you must have to be able to sustain that at his age. And after making like, how do you not get tired and just be like, Oh, I want to make a fun gangster movie. How do you not do that? If you're him, like, and it's because he he has an artistic power that is that is you know unsurpassed. It's it's astonishing, you know. Did I you, agree, man. Did you think Killers of the Flower Moon would be a more astonishing achievement than The Irishman? I I certainly didn't. I it, mean, it was it was hard to it was hard to guess simply because of what the subject matter was. You right. know, the subject matter is so big. America's original sin. You know, the original, the original blood that we spilled. So, I mean, I think the potential was there, but I clearly, I didn't think it was going to be just, just so astonishing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I know, man, going, we were, we're going on four straight movies where it's like, oh, I didn't know he was capable of that. And, and that's, I mean, um, is he going to do it again? I, I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, you know, I like mean, it's silence. It's silence is also one of his underrated masterpieces as well. I mean that the man, the man loves to contemplate on very complex subjects, and he just he just knocks it out of the park. I mean it's, um, yeah, I, mean, I don't know, I, man. I'm putting Wolf of Wall Street in there too, with like the, just the last four, you know, like yeah, like I don't think when a Wolf of Wall Street come out, I remember being like, oh my god, I thought he was doing, I thought he was chilling, you know, <laughs> I thought Scorsese was chilling. This is like the definitive movie about American capitalism. You know, like, and it's also a comedy. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we, I mean, I, I'll shut up. I've talked enough about it, but it's just, it's astonishing, man. It, we really are privileged to live uh, with, with, man, thank God COVID didn't take him out, man. Like, you know, we're really privileged to live with, with an artistic giant uh, of this medium. You know, it's, it's, man, it's great. And his next fucking movie is going to be about Jesus. So like, yeah. I, dude, I don't think he's slowing down, man. You know, and he says it's going to be about eighty minutes long, so all you runtime haters can pump the fucking brakes. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway, yeah, I mean, man. guys, twenty twenty three was a great year for cinema, and and like mm. I said, I, I I could literally talk about Killers of the Flower Moon for another hour, so that's sure. why I'm I'm limiting myself on it. But twenty twenty three was a great year for movies, like you said. I don't know if we're going to get another year like this again ever. Yeah. Um. So. If you haven't watched a lot of these movies, check them out. We obviously highly recommend them. There's still a lot of good stuff left to be seen and discussed from 2023, and we are going to continue that just because it is, it really is. But we haven't even seen Zone of Interest. I mean, there's yeah. there's there's a few movies out there that are still fucking floating around that we've got to see. So we will discuss them as we watch them. But either way, man, 2023 was a great year. This was a great, uh, you know, just a fun list to put together. I don't know. Really enjoyed it. And it's fucking awesome. I mean, I just, yeah, it was, we, it was fun to watch movies in 2023. I'll say that. It, it really was. And that's, we don't, you know, we don't get to say that too often. Um, and I'm just going to, I mean, I, I'm not going to even comment on these, but I mean, I'm just going to list some of the other movies that we either have or haven't talked about on the podcast that are, I guess I would say notable. Um, you know, May, December, Barbie, you talked about poor things, zone of interest, uh, Asteroid City, the Miyazaki movie, The Boy and the Heron that came out. Um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. 
Um, the killer, the killer was good. Priscilla haven't seen, but I mean, it's a Sofia Coppola movie. Um, you know, bottoms. Oh, I, I didn't even tell you. I watched how to blow up a pipeline. Um, yeah. I, that's on my list as well. And also guys, none of those movies made our top 10, but a lot of them we have talked about, go check out our year in review. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent they're, they're, they're really good stuff. Um, so yeah, what do you think? Wrap it up. Yeah, man, let's get out of here. Uh, Guys, hope you enjoyed this list. We certainly enjoyed making it and talking about these movies. And uh, if you know, if you if you guys are still putting your list together, top three, top five, top ten, whatever, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Uh, do you have anything else to add before we get out of here? Nah, man. Let's wrap it up, guys. Don't forget rate and review wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And uh, thanks for stopping by the Silver Screen Video. And we will see you next week. Yeah.